prioritize fun, even when it's hard, even and when it can be incredibly difficult to see what can you do to help move forward? Because unfortunately, when you feel stuck, the only way forward is through, and that requires action. You have to do positive in order to be positive. And that I think that's the biggest key takeaway from, from the book is that you can't be happy unless you do happy. Happiness is not a state of being, it is a state of doing. And what is one thing you can do in this moment to move the happiness dial? Welcome to the Good Life Coach Podcast. I am your host, Michelle Lamoureux. The intention of this show is to awaken you to your fullest potential. Join me each week for inspiring interviews to elevate an area of your life, as well as interviews with women entrepreneurs who are creating success on their own terms. Each episode provides actionable tips to guide you to design a life you love. Hey there, it's Michelle Lamoureux. Welcome back. I'm so happy you're joining me. If you are struggling with finding joy in your day or just want to learn more ways to find more happiness in your life, then you're going to love today's guest and this conversation. Joining us is Megan B. Murphy, who is the editor-in-chief of Women's Day magazine, which reaches 18 million readers every month. And Megan has worked for other magazines, including Cosmo and Good Housekeeping and Self. And today she's on to talk about her book, Your Fully Charged Life, A Radically Simple Approach to Having Endless Energy and Filling Every Day with Yay. The book is a practical guide to bringing your best self to every moment, even when the pressures of daily life leave you feeling overwhelmed, exhausted, and focused on negative thinking. A lot of great takeaways in this 30-minute interview where Megan's going to share her 20 years in the making of figuring out these best tools and tactics that she uses every day. And she's also going to share some hardships that she's been through and has used these tools to overcome. So if you are looking for more yay in your every day, then I think you're going to love today's conversation. So let's get into the show. Hi, Megan. Thanks for being here today. Yay! I yay. say it a lot. My husband yay. keeps joking we should turn it into a drinking game because no one says yay more times in a day than me. <laughs> I love it. I wonder if you can get a trademark on the word yay or copyright. Well, I own the yay list. I have a trademark on the yay list. So oh, you do? Yeah, I That's do. Cool. That's cool. I'm, I'm getting cool. wise in my own age. I'm getting wise it. in my own age. Well, you've written a great book, Your Fully Charged Life, a radically simple approach to having endless energy and filling every day with yay. And I think a lot of people need this right now. I feel like the timing of the book, I mean, it's not ideal as an author probably to have a book come out during where you can't go tour. But at the same time, it's what's in it is so necessary. I think we all need a little bit more yay in our day. Well, and the funny part is it's accidental. I mean, this book has been in the works for years. Um, You know, it's based in 20 plus years of life experience and research. And it was, you know, I was finishing it in April at the the height of lockdown. So um, I've used these tricks and tips and strategies throughout the course of my life and my hard times. Yeah. Hard times are universal. So this advice applies to all hard times. The hard times just happen to be a global pandemic right now. Totally. Um, 
I was lucky enough that I was able to go back and and tell a few different stories and and tweak some of the advice so that it felt more relevant to pandemic life. Um, but the book was in the works for for a very long time. And it is that moment of, as an author, like, this is certainly not how I dreamed of launching a book. I thought I'd be doing a citywide tour and getting to meet readers and sign autographs, sign copies of books. Like, you know, I was really looking forward to that. I am such a people person. And I talk about that in the Love Charge, how I get so much energy from other people. So certainly not how I wanted to do this, but on the flip side, there's no better time for this book. And I'm so um, just absolutely honored to be able to put this this useful information out there right now in this moment. Totally. And so grateful that you have. And actually, interestingly, when we were corresponding, when I was asking you to come on the show, you and your family were going through COVID. Can you tell us how you're all (laughs) doing and what that was, what happened? You know, did everyone get it in the family? Like, are you all okay? It was pretty surreal. So it was me, my husband, my three kids who are eight, uh, 10, eight and seven, and also my 70 year old mom. So we were all taken down simultaneously. Um, and it was pretty brutal. I mean, it was a, wasn't fun. Um, I would highly recommend not getting COVID avoid it. If you can, we tried really hard not to get it and got it anyway. Mm. Um, you know, and it was 16 days in the house. We all had various symptoms. So my kids had really horrible GI distress, projectile vomiting, diarrhea, things people don't talk about. Um, and that was really the tip off for them. I I thought it was a stomach bug, bug at first and they tested negative initially, um, for COVID, we kept them home anyway. Um, and turns out ultimately they did PCR test positive, but they had gastro symptoms. And then all of a sudden they were fine for two days. And then all of a sudden they had 103 fever uh, and then diarrhea again. So that was really, really strange. My symptoms were six. It started with six days of debilitating diarrhea, TMI, but people need to know this. Yeah, no, um, I didn't realize. Yeah, lost 10 pounds was like dehydrated. Um, I have asthma. So that was the scariest part for me was the respiratory distress. Um, But I also battled pneumonia two years ago and I wound up in the hospital and on oxygen for that. Not this time around. So I'm very thankful for that. Okay. Um, And then my husband was more flu symptoms, fever, loss of senses. And my mom was more cold symptoms, um, loss of senses. And she's in her 70s. So that was I Thank God. She's, she's okay. Yeah. Yes. Um, but I absolutely used every trick to stay fully charged during that time because frankly, the, the timing was not ideal. I was about to launch my book. I'm oh also the goodness. editor in chief of woman's day magazine. I've got three, like this was not, this was not <laughs> how I planned any of this going. That's for sure. Wow. But you're all okay. So it was 16 days home though. 16 we were days. home like on lockdown for 16 days. And I think the toughest part of getting it as a mom is that I'm caring for three sick little ones and yeah. they're sick. They're, they're projectile vomiting with 103 fever at, at points. Mm. So I wasn't able to care for myself in all the ways I necessarily needed to, to get better faster. Yeah. Um, and I'm not a hundred percent now. I have some lingering effects. I'm hoping I'm not a long hauler, but I'm not able to return to exercise yet. I'm still short of breath. Um, I still have a little bit of COVID fingers and toes, like some coldness in my extremities. Mm. Um, I'm, you know, I have a faint, dull headache. So I'm not 100%. I'm also, hey, listen, I just launched a book this week. So maybe I'm under stress that I'm unable to recognize. And I don't have some of my normal tools in my toolkit because I'm not able to go for a run um, or to hop on the Peloton hardcore and sweat it out. Yeah. That's also probably a piece of it for me individually. 
what did you lean into from your toolkit during the COVID time and, you know, trying to manage? Because that's scary when your little ones don't feel good anyway and to have all of them sick at the same time while you and your husband don't, you know, usually somebody's well and can, you know, go to the market, but you can't go to the market. No, it was all. So, and and so in the face of COVID, in the face of any adversity, I mean, the strategies are very much the same. So there's that moment to process it and accept it, right? Okay, this stinks. I'm scared. I'm I'm angry. I'm resentful. Why why is this happening to me? This really sucks. I don't want COVID. I work so hard not to get COVID. Why do I get COVID when people are traveling, eating in restaurants, hanging out with them? Like why us? We tried so hard not to get it. Get it. Right. Kids call me COVID crazy, and we still wind up with COVID. Right. Um, so I gave myself that moment to feel all of those things and to say, yes, this is awful. Because yeah. part of living fully charged is, is taking off the rose-colored glasses. It's not being a Pollyanna. Totally. It's absolutely seeing not just the bright side, but all of the sides and recognizing what sucks, right? That, that's a piece of living fully charged. Totally. So I gave myself that moment to do that. Um, and then I, I tried to use some cognitive reappraisal, which is just a fancy term for saying, let's reframe what's lame. Okay, I can turn this from woe is me, why me? to why not me? And when I empower myself to say, why not me? Well, then I can start to see that I'm otherwise healthy. I'm a person who's gotten through hard things before. And that's always a great resiliency trick, flashing back to something hard in the past that you've overcome to remind yourself that you are a person who does hard things and can and will overcome. Okay. I've gotten through pneumonia. I will also get through this. I'm a person who does hard things. And if I start to really then think about why me? okay, is there some purpose in this struggle? Mm. Well, I think there is. And once I'm able to highlight that and identify that for myself, then I'm able to move forward with more grace and determination. So for me, that began by saying, well, I feel like I'm wearing a scarlet letter C right now and that stinks. How can I destigmatize this for other people? Mm. I'm going to wear that scarlet letter C loud and proud because by doing that, I'm going to help somebody else because we got to erase the stigma. People are getting COVID. They need to be able to talk about it. They can't be. I, I had friends who never told anybody they had it. Well, then, wow. then you're not getting help. And how do you heal when you're feeling shame? That's insane. That's, so yeah. I gave purpose to my struggle. Okay, here, yeah. here I go. I'm going to help other people. And I also felt in that moment of diagnosis you know, everybody tells you to wear the mask, socially distance, wash your hands, all the things to not get it. But when you get it, there's no toolkit. There's no recovery roadmap. And so because I have the privilege to have had Dr. Daria on my podcast and I'm in the media, I have access to some great doctors. Well, guess what? I have more purpose. Why, why not me? Because now I'm going to surface that information for my followers, for my readers, for my audience. Here's how you should sleep. Here's the vitamins that you should be taking. Here's a regimen that works. Yes, baby aspirin, Pepsi, AC, here's why and how. So that turbocharged me through, right? That helped me to make this mind shift where I'm prioritizing positivity. I'm giving my struggle purpose. And once I take some positive action steps, I'm going to move forward. And then I need to look at the other things in my toolkit. Well, okay, movement, the health charge, that's important. I can't go out and run five miles right now, but you know what? I put on my boots and my coat and my winter hat every day. And I went and threw lacrosse balls against a rebounder. I learned to play lacrosse during quarantine (laughs) because I knew that movement was magic, that I knew that fresh air would help. And I, and I couldn't do the things I love to do and know how to do, but I do know that I can 
put some, you know, put some coins in the health bank and I'm going to go learn how to play lacrosse. Um, I really leaned into my relationships. You know, one of the things I talk about in the book is relentlessly asking for help and accepting it with no guilt. I had one of my good friends go to Trader Joe's and FaceTime me from the flower department and do a whole flower haul for me because two things there, you know, asking for help is empowering. Accepting help helps you, helps them, gives them a helper high. Fresh flowers work mood magic. There's so much great, great research around that. And then I arranged flowers and put fresh cut flowers in my house. And it was amazing how instantly I began to feel better. It's those little things, right? Still celebrating. Okay, Taco Tuesday did not go away just because we had COVID. Um, We still had to find those moments of levity, those moments of joy, prioritize fun, even when it's hard, even when it can be incredibly difficult to see what can you do to help move forward? Because unfortunately, when you feel stuck, the only way forward is through, and that requires action. You have to do positive in order to be positive. And that I think that's the biggest key takeaway from, from the book is that you can't be happy unless you do happy. Happiness is not a state of being, it is a state of doing. And what is one thing you can do in this moment to move the happiness dial? Love that. Happiness is not a state of being, it's a state of doing. That's fantastic. Um, Thank you for sharing what you did. If it's helpful, as somebody who follows you on Instagram, saw your post, started following Dr. Daria, downloaded her tips, even though, you know, just in case. A hundred percent. So you did pay it for it. I'm just letting you know, like, you know, this is fantastic. Like, And it makes me so happy because I get hundreds of DMs. I mean, I have the little, in my highlights on Instagram, I have the COVID diaries. And people are like, okay, I'm screenshotting that. I'm screenshotting that. I'm screenshotting that. I'm like, great. And go follow Dr. Daria. Like that's a gift in, in that you can, all adversity is ultimately a gift. You just have to learn to unwrap it. And, and me being able to pay that forward. Wow. That makes my struggle easier because I'm helping totally. someone else. Yeah. And then those women, you know, those families, they don't feel as alone. Cause now, yes. like you said, you've taken away some of the shame. It's like, Oh, well, Megan Murphy got it. And look, now she's, her whole family got it. And she's giving all these resources. Um, you talked in the beginning that this book was 20 years in the making. So I know you've trained your brain over, you know, last two decades to find the yay in every day. I love that. I love the word yay. People Me need too. to be using that more often. And, it, and it's like forward and backward. It's still yay. It's like magic words. <laughs> I love how you see stuff. That's so great. Um, but I know it's interesting because you start the book, you know, as a kid, you were called grumpy. You were not, you know, finding mm-hmm. the yay. It was the opposite. I think it might be interesting and helpful for the women listening to know a little bit more about your story and that, you know, this is something you've cultivated over the last couple decades. To, so that is truly a part of your being. hundred um, percent. Yeah. That's my favorite part about this. So all of my like childhood friends are like, I, like, I can't believe you person you've become. And everyone who knows me now is like, I can't believe the person you were not possible. It's like yeah. not possible on both ends of the spectrum. Right. Yes. Because I absolutely was a very angsty, um, miserable little kid. My nickname was Grumpy. My parents gave me a Grumpy the Dwarf charm that I wore with pride. Um, And I had very troubled teen years, um, Mm -hmm. went through some tough stuff, um, you know, was hyper emotional and and kind of numbed all of those feelings with some uh, raging anorexia. I wound up, um, you know, passing out on a soccer field and, and was hospitalized and my best friend and I, um, sadly, were we, well, I called us tandem anorexics. We, 
you know, would take laxatives together, exercise endlessly together. We, we fueled each other's eating disorders. Mm. Um, and our parents were friends and she was en route to be hospitalized with me. And she jumped out of the car and died. And I'm 16 years old. <sighs> I'm in a, you know, in a, in a facility to try to get well. I now have my, my best friend's, the guilt of my best friend's death on my shoulders. I mean, it was traumatic. I look back at it now and it's as if it were someone else's life because I've come so far from that. But, you know, the impact on a 16 year old, I'm hospitalized for anorexia. My best friend has just died jumping out of a car and route to be hospitalized with me after I've had a phone conversation with her telling her it's not that bad here. Mm. We'll get through it. We'll fake them out. Like, just come. They made an unauthorized TV movie about us. I mean, it was rough oh, years. Wow. Yes. And then I wrote about it. So the interesting part was then ultimately I wrote about um, the struggle and overcoming that adversary. And I won a college scholarship, $10,000. And I was featured on an NBC special. And that's actually what springboarded my magazine career because I got the attention of YM Magazine who had me write my story. And then ultimately I became an intern and a contributing editor there. So again, it's like, you know, a grain of good can come from all bad. You know, if adversity is a gift, what are you unwrapping from it? And and for me, um, it it did lead to to a pretty wonderful career. And the knowledge that when I write about and I share hard things and hard times, I connect with other people. Um, and in that connection, a lot of good happens. Yeah. And it's informed your life's work. A hundred percent. Which is amazing, right? I mean, it's amazing. And and did you know that you were a writer? You know, I, you know, I, I always, I always loved words. My mom was an English teacher, so she truly inspired that in me. Yeah. Um, And my father was my biggest cheerleader. So I would make these homemade cards called mega cards. um, (laughs) And he like, you know, saved them for life and thought they were the best things that ever happened. And, um, you know, really celebrated my writing and my work. So I always felt encouraged and cheerleaded in that area. So, so I had a lot of confidence in my writing and I, and I always found writing so cathartic and, Mm. and I, 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 I love the power of words and the healing magic of words. And so then I went on and it, it, you know, that essay did launch my magazine career. I was at Cosmopolitan and and I'm still an angsty person. It's not like I had transformed by that point, but I had worked through some tough stuff in therapy and and I was on the way toward, you know, brighter days, but I, but I wasn't really the person I am today. Yeah. And at Cosmo in my twenties, I was assigned a story called the seven secrets of happiness. And as a magazine editor, sometimes what happens as a junior editor or your boss tells you, okay, you're writing about this. <laughs> and you kind of roll your eyes and you're like, who the heck wants to read this crap? Seven secrets <laughs> of happiness. Wah, wah. Wait, how old were you though? Tell us how old you are. Like in my, tw- I was like 21. Okay. Oh, you're young. 22. Yeah. Like I was a baby and I was, you know, I was a senior editor at Cosmo for maybe four, four years, but, but I, but I mean, it was in the, you know, I was young Yeah. and I just thought this was the dumbest thing ever. But <laughs> in researching that article um, and talking to positive psychologists and looking at some of the neuroscience, and these were the days before even Google. So like, I mean, I was making phone calls. I was looking at the research. Like I was writing an article the way right. you did in the back and back in the day. The old days. Or yeah. you just Googled an abstract and like said, okay, here, whatever. Um, <laughs> but it was very interesting. And in, in writing and researching that article, I re- that was the first seeds of, oh, wow. Anybody can be happy because you can do happy. And I'm good. I'm a good doer, right? Like I'm good at doing things. So it yeah. sort of really did click for me. Like, okay, huh? 
I might want to do happy. This is interesting. Hmm. Um, and it wasn't like I had this aha moment or this epiphany, but I started yeah. to make some changes. Yeah. And then I landed at Self Magazine, where I was the deputy editor and fitness director for nine years. Um, and while I was there, I was doing the self-challenge. I ran the program called the Self-Challenge, which was like an eat right, exercise, reach your goal, be your best self kind of motivational plan. Yeah. And, and there I worked with hundreds of thousands of real women and helping them live their best lives and be the best version of themselves was so energizing to me. And I loved the research. I loved the tips and tricks and strategies. And I also loved seeing what actually worked in real life. And I loved road testing them for myself. Mm. And it was really during that time, I call it my self-formative years, because I was getting to a happier and happier place. That's mm. where I fell in love and married my husband, had my three kids, um, and just really, really loved putting the fun in fitness, which was what was my motto at self, and, and helping people realize that realize their dreams and achieve their goals. It was so yeah. magical for me. Um, and then just as I had had my third kid and moved to the suburbs, well, naturally I, I moved to good housekeeping because that's how <laughs> my career that. works. Oh my I'm goodness, a teen, your life a teen, stages, right. Always married. That's why I say I never had a career goal. I just chase what's exciting to me in the moment. I'm, I'm a guinea pig for all of this information. I write what I care about. I research what I want to know. I solve my own problems. And then once I figure that out, I want to share it. Yeah. So I landed good housekeeping. Perfect. Um, <laughs> And I was in a really good place until my father was diagnosed with stage four pancreatic cancer and, and, and passed away. And at that time, I mean, I had a five-year-old, a three-year-old and an 18-month-old and it was hard. I'm like, dang it. Like I'm at the top of my game. I'm feeling so good. Life is good. And now I got bitch slapped. Okay. How do I get out from under the covers? How do I do that in this moment? Because it doesn't feel good and it's hard. I mean, I the book is dedicated to my father. Ooh, it even makes me a little choked up. But how do I get through that? I haven't got choked up all day, but you're just so kind. Oh. <laughs> well, you know what? Um, he was so young too at 66. Yeah. Right? And pancreatic cancer is the worst. Oh. It's the worst. Um, but in that moment, I, I really kind of relied on some of the things I had known and some of the, the things in my toolkit. And that, okay, this is an action step forward. I am going to actively think about one thing that doesn't suck every day. And I, and I really, at that moment was like, what doesn't suck? It wasn't like find the yay. It was like, what doesn't suck today? Mm -hmm. And it could have been a a. 5am workout with some really good girlfriends. It could have been a heart-shaped foam on a latte. It could have been a smile from a stranger or a fun card that one of my kids made me. But every day I would capture that thing, share it on social media with the hashtag Operation Good Grief. And I really kept that up for like two years. Wow. And I really, the, the most, there's so many magical things about it. First of all, it was training my brain to prioritize positivity and actually look for and seek out good things. Mm. And then once you start to find those good things, you find them more easily and you find more of them. Mm. So it was doing that for me, but it also created this community around this mission of Operation Good Grief of, of, other people suffering, going through some things. Um, I, I established some grief coaches or grief mentors, people who would come out the other side. Mm. Because sometimes when you're in the crap, you just need to know you need to be able to look to someone who's gotten through that. Totally. The same way you might need a career mentor. I needed grief mentors. Yeah. I, um, I tell this story. I was at Orange Theory Fitness one day and I'm crying on the tre treadmill. I had just found out my dad was diagnosed with 
stage four pancreatic cancer. And I'm, I'm a puddle. I go to the gym to cry it out and I'm raw and I'm emotional I'm vulnerable. And the woman next to me on the treadmill turns to me and says, are like, are you okay? And I'm like, no, my father just died, is going to die from pancreatic cancer. Blah, blah, blah. And she's like, my father died from pancreatic cancer 10 years ago. And I'm like, how are we all? The universe has brought me totally. to you today. Living and, angels, I call those people that just that God s- puts in your path. Amazing. And, and you're like, wait, what? Yeah. Because like, until you know what pancreatic cancer, like you don't know until you know. And mm. once you know how bad that diagnosis, like, so I found such comfort in, in the vulnerability of having cried on that treadmill, having connected with her and having seen someone now functioning in the, in the world and functioning mm. in life even with that hole in her heart. And I needed that. I absolutely needed that. Um, so yeah, that's the recharge chapter too, in a nutshell, is, is building resilience in the face of these kinds of things. Yeah, it's so interesting when you're able to dive into somebody's story and you see these threads in their lives and how you really are so uniquely positioned to do what you're doing in some way. You know, your your ability to write and connect, your ability to want to help, your the pain that you went through and then how you transform that. And then the ripple effect, like you're, you're not just learning it for yourself. You're then paying it forward. So um, thank you for sharing so vulnerably. I think it's going to be so helpful for other people. And I think women right now, you know, we're a year into this, you know, some people have gotten COVID, some people have lost people to COVID. Some people are trying to avoid it. Some people are trying to pretend it doesn't exist. I mean, everyone's in a different place with it, but life is not the same. And I think a lot of women are struggling I've noticed for years now, the first thoughts that pop into my head are negative in the morning. It's an interesting, like when you have that awareness, it's like you wake up, you're like, wait, why am I going to that? Why? (laughs) I just woke up. The brain's already wanting to ruminate. Um, What do you suggest to people who are like, you know, worrying too much or like focused on the negative? And I'm a very glass half full, very positive, upbeat, happy person, but still, you know, there's conditioning. Well, and I think too, it is for people to understand that that is the way we are primarily programmed. Mm. Our negativity bias is strong. So that's not, that's not a flaw in you. Mm. That's a flaw in human nature. Interesting. Um, we are absolutely wired, wired that way. Um, and and survival? that's why. Yeah, exactly. Those were our survival instincts, right? You yeah. needed to know the snake was dangerous. You needed to assume everything was dangerous to survive. Interesting. That's not the case anymore, but we are still wired that way. Huh. Um and the only way to kind of take the edge off of all of that negativity is to start to prioritize positivity. Because every time you have the good thought, you take the positive action step, well, then you create a new neural pathway. That's the sort of thing, it's, it's the neuroplasticity of our brains. If you think of your brain as like a hiking trail, well, the way you always go is probably the way you will always continue to go unless you veer off that path. Mm. But that negative pathway is really clear. The branches are cleared. It's smooth. There's no rocks. <laughs> For better or worse. <laughs> exactly. Because that's the way you've always traveled. And mm-hmm. that's the that's the path of least resistance. Yeah. And it's for everybody. That negative thought it is that smooth hiking trail. Yeah. But the second you have the better thought, the happier thought, the positive thought, well, you're veering off the trail. And okay, that's not going to be a smooth trail right away, but yeah. you're clearing the brush. And you're making a new pathway. That's kind of how it would, in my brain right now, I kind of silver line anything. And I don't try very hard to do that. And it's absolutely not because I'm Pollyanna. I, I recognize always what stinks. But the, the, the pathway is pretty clear. 
in my brain. It's in fact the path most traveled and therefore the clearest and easiest to travel. Mm. That's the magic of our brains in a nutshell. Yeah. And you talk about, I do a gratitude journal. I know you that for you isn't how you like to do it. Can you share your, your strategy? Yes. And it's so funny too, because, um, you know, I had one negative reviewer say, oh yeah, she's going to tell you everything, you know, like keep a gratitude journal. I'm like, well, clearly you didn't read the book because that's not what I'm telling you to do. Exactly. You don't what, like what gratitude journals. That's I, why I, I don't like, like it. They feel yeah. like homework. Yeah. But here's the thing. I absolutely recognize the power of gratitude. It is yeah. one of the key characteristics of all happy people who flourish just yep. from, you know, yep. whatever. Um, but how do you make a gratitude adjustment? Because for, for most people I know, keeping a journal or keeping a diary feels like homework. Yeah. And then you're never going to keep that up. Yeah. So how do you fun filter that? If you if that works for you, awesome sauce. Like that yeah. is proven, proven 100% aces. I just can't do it. Yeah. I couldn't add it to my to-do list. Like it just felt like too much work. So what we do in my house is we sit around the dinner table and say, what made you say yay today? What's your highlight reel? And that conditions the kids to be looking for something good in the day to share. Love that so much. Um, and it's fun. What made you yeah. say yay today? It's not like get out a pen and paper, write it down. It's right. just fun. <laughs> How do you make it more fun? I mean, that's my secret sauce is I fun filter life, I think. I think that's what I'm good at because I'm not a scientist. I'm not a, you know, a true expert. I am a, 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 you know, a magazine editor who can fun filter the information and maybe make you want to actually do it. I love it. Well, you say, and this is a quote from the book, safe decisions are missed opportunities. Embrace the extra. I think this kind of goes along with that. Can you talk about what that means? Because I really loved this. I, yeah. I've not heard this before, but I was like, oh, that is good. I, I am a little bit extra, um, <laughs> as you can tell. But but if you think about it that way, like what, what are you missing by making the safe choice? You might be missing a fun adventure. You might be missing a vacation. You might be missing in a, in a, in a you know, an opportunity to connect with somebody exciting and cool that's going to lead to the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. I sort of think of the world as this light bright board. And the more pegs you put in, the brighter the picture gets, the clearer the picture gets. Yeah. So what are some of those colors that you can add to the light bright board? And, and like breaking from routine and seeing the world in a different way. Um, I, well, I tell a story about just walking to the train on the opposite side of the street and noticing an entirely different world. Right. And just that tweak in perspective. Well, how does that make you move through the day differently? I'm not a robot now because, oh, my gosh, the, oh, that crack in the sidewalk I had noticed. I don't want to trip over that. Or, wow, look at those beautiful flowers. Changing the scenery, changing your perspective, changing the way you do things um, can lead to some really fun, exciting, new and novel opportunities. It's it's true. And I love the idea of, you know, maybe putting on a pop of color. You know, you talked about putting on yellow pumps or something, you know, it could be yellow sneakers if you want to keep it cozy, but just adding a little of brightness, literally yeah, brightness to your day. Well, I call it dopamine dressing and it's really dressing up to feel up thinking of, and I think this comes sometimes from my acting background, but like thinking about putting on a costume, because sometimes you do have to fake it till you make it. If I'm on stage and my character is a nurse, I'm not wearing a fireman's costume. Um, if I'm in life and I'm not going to a funeral, why am I wearing all black? Maybe I'm going to dress for the party I want my life to be. Maybe I do have that big, crazy statement earring or a little flash of color on the inside of my jacket. Something that yeah. tells the world, this is how I want to feel. 
you know, you know, there's that old saying like dress for the job you want. Well, I say dress for the life you want mm. um, and, and dress for joy, whatever that means. You don't have to be flashy. Yeah. Um, I also tell a story about this woman in the elevator who had this beautiful, subdued, like very plain, you know, camel coat on, but she had her initials monogrammed on, on the collar. And I'm like, mm-hmm. oh my God, that's so cool. That's how, that's her way of saying to the world, oh yeah, here I am. I'm a little bit extra. I love it. I love it. A little bit extra. I think that's something that people can play with and have some fun with. Um, speaking of fun, you talked about fun and fitness when you worked at self. Now I think women, especially with the kids home and stuff, a lot of people aren't eating as well. They're not making their health a priority. Um, I know that other than during the COVID time, you were 10, 17, you're asleep every day and up yes. at five as yeah. I was emailing you last night, I think at 10 30. And I was like, she's been asleep for, you know, 13 minutes. Um, and I was like, and maybe I should be too. It made me think. Um, but is this a mindset change? Because, you know, it, we know what to do, but we don't always do it. So, you know, you've talked about creating those neural pathways, the positivity pathways, but I almost think of it as a sac- act of self-love, you know, and sure. it doesn't mean you don't love yourself for not doing it, but gosh, when you do it, what a nice way to feel good about yourself and feel like you've, you've given to you, which women need to do more of than we do. A hundred percent. You have to protect your sleep and whatever that means for you. Everybody's sleep number is different. I know I function better with seven hours. I have programmed myself like a child. And I think we all need to sort of program ourselves like a child to have a sleep routine because routine is the key piece of this puzzle. Mm -hmm. You could go to bed at 1 a.m. and sleep till 10. The key is to do that all the time because your body and your circadian rhythms just need that. They need that consistency. So that's what it is. I'm very much a 10, 17, 503 no alarm because that's Amazing. how I've, that's how I've trained myself. And, and how do you feel when kids. you wake up? You bright and ready to go? Very excited. Um, and here's the deal. I understand that at the beginning of lockdown, I was sleeping till 8am Yeah, because I had nowhere to go. Yeah. The schedules and, were all messed up. And my schedule's messed up. And guess what? Like, like, oh, wow. Intuitively extra two hours of sleep. I should feel so refreshed <laughs> and happy. You did it. Guess who I was like miserable. And, it, and I was like, I don't understand. Okay, yes, it's a pandemic. Yes, I'm missing all the things. But like, yeah. why am I so miserable? I'm sleeping too much. I need to reclaim my morning. And for me, getting up then back again at six, maybe it wasn't 4.45 a.m. like I used to, but six, yeah. so that I'm on my own yeah. in the morning and I can have some quiet alone time. Like, I needed that. I needed to reclaim that. And once I did, I felt so much better. Yeah, because the kids are still asleep. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I, to have a cup of coffee and no one talk to me, bother me, email, <laughs> text me, slack it's me. your time. Oh my goodness. I had to reclaim that. And it's just knowing that about yourself. Yeah. And that's the whole premise of your fully charged life. This is not what Megan Murphy thinks. This is like, here's some pretty cool, compelling science. Here's how it worked for me. Here's how I've seen it work for other people. Here's yeah. a couple of different ways Try to it do on. it. Exactly. Yeah. And roll your eyes at what you don't like. You yeah. can absolutely roll your eyes at me. I don't need you to like me. I, I don't actually care. Right. It's, it's that something's going to work for you. And I want to know what that thing is. Totally. And you write living charged, living fully charged doesn't mean being happy 24 seven to ignore your true feelings and saying yes to everything. It's about saying yes to more of the things that light you up, which is how we all want to feel. So this might be a perfect place to, you know, wrap with leaving us with your 
And, you know, best tips, whatever you feel called to for today, because there's so many great tips on living a fully charged life. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I think that the mandate is, is it, you don't want it to feel overwhelming. Understand that you deserve happiness. Understand that tomorrow can absolutely be more awesome, no matter what you're going through today. And if what you're going through today is hard, I'm here to virtually hug you, um, acknowledge whatever that hard thing is, but realize there's a way through. There's always a way through. And it starts with one positive action step. And that might be as simple as, you know, blow drying your hair and putting on a swipe of mascara. Totally. And I'm a huge, yeah, huge fan of that. I am. You got to get, for me, right? you got to get up and you got to shower and you got to do yep. your hair and feel Pants yourself. that button. I highly recommend pants that button to be reminded of humanity. <laughs> Someday we'll wear a pants that button again. Sometimes I just put on jeans to be remembered, to remember that. <laughs> Love it. Um, Megan, where can people learn more about you and your book? Sure. So I'm very active on Instagram at Megan, M-E-A-G-H-A-N B Murphy. Yes. Um, and I have Megan, uh, www.meganbmurphy.com for all the book info. The book is available wherever books are sold. But I say, if you have a local bookstore, run there, make a real person do a happy dance. It's so important to shop local. Community is a big part of what I talk about in the love charge of the book. Yeah. Um, and if you do buy it on a big box store, at least write a review so that an author does a happy dance. <laughs> yay, for sure. For sure. This has been so fun. Thank you. I should say yay. What a pleasure. Thank you so much for your time today, Megan. Thank you so much. Thanks so much for tuning in today. I hope you gained some new information or inspiration for your life. That is that the essence of this show is to really wake up to what's possible for you to reclaim your beautiful voice and to really learn to love and prioritize yourself. So if you gained any value from any of the conversations you've tuned into, make sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast player. You can do that right now on your phone. And please do consider leaving a rating and review if you have yet to do so on Apple Podcasts. It's actually how more women can find the show. And I really want to grow a community of women who are loving themselves and living full on. So thank you as always for tuning in. And I look forward to reconnecting with you next Wednesday. Bye for now.